Hello and welcome to the Veterans Career Compass. Where we meet with employers, veterans, military spouses, and those in the community to share their stories. I'm Rich Commons. And I'm Jana Toner, and we're with American Corporate Partners. The Veteran Mentorship Program for Meaningful Employment. We'll be talking about employment and learning opportunities, stories of growth and success, and tactics to make your transition into the corporate world a little easier. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome everybody. I'm Rich Commons, Senior Vice President and Chief of Staff at ACP, and we're excited to continue our inside look today with a special presentation. Today we're presenting a project management symposium and we have some uh, guests from several of our corporate partners to talk about what project management is, um, how it could be a good skill or, or place to go to after you leave the military, and uh, some maybe some tips and tricks on how to get yourself into that world if that's something you want to get into. So I'm going to go right into introducing some of our, our panelists. But first, I want to remind everybody that this is going to be recorded and it'll be on LinkedIn Live after this. So if you want to go back and uh, check things out after, please do share it with friends. And then also, if you have questions, throw them in the chat and we'll get to them a little bit later in the presentation. So now I'm going to ask uh, some of our panelists to introduce themselves and uh, and go through a few questions with them. So. Uh, Patrick, I'm going to start with you since AECOM is uh, alphabetically first. So tell us about yourself. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Uh, hi, folks. My name is uh, Patrick Cable. I live on Whidbey Island, Washington, which is about two hours outside of Seattle. Uh, I have a bachelor's in environmental science and a master's in meteorology and oceanography. Uh, I had a 22-year naval career. I retired last year. Started out as ROTC at Virginia Tech, was a surface warfare officer. And then I was an oceanographer, and then I retired as the CEO of an acoustic monitoring station that we had local. Um, I did, during my run-up to retirement, I did TAPS in a, twice in about three years. I participated with ACP, including having a mentor. Uh, I did a bunch of other uh, VSOs, uh, sort of a broad spectrum of them, uh, and I listened to a whole bunch of podcasts, both veteran podcasts and uh, science-related podcasts. And then I worked um, and earned my PMP through the uh, O2O uh, program, Syracuse University program. Um, when I got out, I was looking for environmental science, climate change related uh, project program style work. That's sort of my passion and is my passion. So I uh, was introduced to this company by a friend of mine and I joined AECOM about a year ago as a senior project manager for water. Drawn by the highly talented people that I networked with, I was coming uh, both before I entered the company and then as I've been in the company, the scope and quality of work across uh, diverse engineering and science uh, sets of uh, projects and programs. Uh, and then uh, the company's commitment to environmental, social, and governance goals uh, really drew me in. I wanted to find something that was value added for the employees and value added for the work that we're doing across the globe. It, uh, it's a US company, it's global, it's got about 50,000 employees. Um, the other piece that drew me in is my manager on the first day said, hey, Patrick, uh, here you've got freedom to grow. Um, you know, go out and figure out what you want to do, what your passion is, and we'll, we'll help you find the work that, that leads you in the right direction. Um, and please network across the organization. Gave me the opportunity to network inside and outside of the water business line uh, so I could meet a whole bunch of diverse folks across the company. Help me uh, have a That's great a, career. It's a great start because um, I think when people think about project management, they might have certain things in their head, but you were able to combine kind of your passion 
uh, and and the, your scientific background with with uh, project management. So that's that's uh, something that may not be apparent to everybody. So I appreciate that. Um, so I guess a real quick question for you is what type of project program management uh, roles are there at AECOM then? Uh, sure. So um, AECOM offers uh, oversees a broad a broad variety. Does uh, planning, coordination, scheduling, cost control, design, construction, and commissioning across a large, diverse set of talent pools. Um, so our expertise ranges uh, across a number of services, markets, and geographies. Um, we manage outcome-driven projects that deliver social, economic, environmental value. Uh, the programs are include everything from critical national importance in the divert, uh, defense sector to transportation, water, clean energy, um, environmental cleanup, international development, disaster recovery, um, as well as we also help shape many of the world's major cities through uh, buildings and places. Oh, that's great. Uh, I'm gonna move on to Chuck. Chuck, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got to where you're at now? Absolutely, and thanks for having us. Um, so, hey everybody, my name is Chuck Klubal. Um, I was in the Army. I was an infantryman. Uh, did seven years there, five at Fort uh, Benning, which I guess is Fort Moore now, and then uh, Fort Campbell for my last two. Uh, I had the, the pleasure of leaving the military and after, you know, five months looking for a job, landing what I consider one of my dream jobs at the Home Depot as a project manager in our real estate supply chain area so literally doing construction build building warehouses and then um establishing logistics across the u.s you know opening import centers that kind of stuff um from that bounced over to the store operations side of the house where i was operational manager for especially selling so working directly with our stores and how we sell and deliver product to our customers i did that for about a year and a half and i had the, the pleasure of probably one of the greatest jobs ever um I got to stand up Home Depot's military relations team as part of their talent acquisition and their recruiting. So um, if you go to homedepot.com slash military, you'll see the stuff in there about, uh, about careers. That was the team that I got to stand up a few years back. Um, it is still going strong under the leadership of Haley Weaver and Gabe Soltero. And then um, and then I was time for something new because I am the kid who doesn't know what he wants to do when he grows up. I went back into project management into a different space. So now I lead the cybersecurity project management team here at the Home Depot um, with about 35 project professionals, everything from project managers to por program portfolio managers, and then our project analysts as well. So that's where I currently am right now. Yeah, so I, I don't even have to ask what type of roles there are at Home Depot because it seems like you, you held most of them. So. Uh, I always make the joke that uh, Home Depot is, it's actually, if you think about it, Home Depot is bigger than every military branch except for the Army, and we'll probably pass them in the next year or so. So just like any large organization, we have our own operations, we have our own supply chain, have our own HR, recruiting, IT support, cybersecurity, merchandising, infrastructure planning. We, we, have, we actually have pilots. People don't realize that we even have pilots at Home Depot. They're a very small group, but we have pilots. So yeah, when you start talking about some of the bigger companies, um, you can pretty much make it what you what you want it to be. Um, and we're not the only ones like that. Most major retailers um, are, have a kind of a similar layout or makeup. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm gonna get. I want to. There's so much more I want to ask you, but I'm gonna uh, continue to introduce uh, Steve. I'm gonna go to you. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us uh, your your kind of career trajectory a little bit. For sure. Well, thanks everybody, and uh, welcome to LinkedIn community. 
Uh, Steve Miller, uh, I work at USA as a business process consultant. It's really in the family of project management. I know we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, I came to USA, I've been there about five years. Uh, I did start off as a titled program project manager, and then we were retitled about two years into my work. Um, before that, I worked at uh, a local IT company called Rackspace in IT service management, uh, doing things like root cause analysis. Basically, you know, when things break at a data center or mistakes are made, you have to go back, figure out what happened, why, and what are you going to do about it? Um, before that, I was a 28-year Navy veteran, um, started off as an enlisted member, as an electrician in the new power community, and then went on to fly helicopters. Um, and so, uh, you know, I had to make an assessment when I was getting out after those number of years as what did I wanted to do, and project management was the first thing I turned to. I had done some of that later years when we, when we lived in Korea, we were modeling houses and building new uh, facilities that were out there as part of my role when I was living there. You know, and I went back to think about every flight was pretty much a project, right? You brief, you plan, and you go out and do something, come back, and then you figure out what your lessons learned were, what are you going to do differently next time? And so uh, I made a lot of decisions there on getting my PMP, uh, much like other folks had talked about, and, and moved on from there. But, you know, I, I can't say enough, uh, most, uh, almost every, pretty much every job I've ever gotten was because of my networking ability to talk to people and figure out what the job was like. And then they came looking for me based on the work that I do and the way the conversations went for me. So I feel very blessed in that sense, but it also takes a lot of hard work. No one's going to give you a job, that's for sure. So that's my story. I'm sticking well, to it. <laughs> and that's a good example. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're definitely identify yourself as a project manager, but uh, your, your title is business process consultant. So sure. that's just one kind of uh, thing to bring up that shows that when you're looking for a position, it might be called many different things in many different companies, and you have to kind of dig into it a little bit more when you're when doing sure. I'll ask you some more about that uh, yeah. later. But I don't want to uh, not introduce Nicole. So, Nicole, yeah. please introduce yourself. Saving the best for last, hopefully. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. And I'm really excited to be here with you all today. You know, my name is Nicole Page, and I'm a senior talent scout with USAA. And I joined USA actually last year in July of 2022. So coming up on my first year anniversary, very excited. And also I'm a proud military spouse. Um, my husband actually served in the army for 12 years as a platoon sergeant in a field artillery unit. And regarding my current role, I strategically source and headhunt for challenging and niche roles across our company. And I also proudly serve our veteran and spouse community here at USAA through a Hiring Our Heroes program in which I network, I coach, I mentor, and I also develop these talents. And throughout my career, I've been in corporate and, you know, and also agency, talent acquisition, and HR functions for the last 12 years. And so my background is very much so diverse from Fortune and global companies like Schneider Electric to Nissan to Bank of America, really endless. Oh, great. And so since you're a talent acquisition person, um, can you tell us about some of the different types of roles that, that they have at USAA for someone that might be interested in program or project management? Great question. And so I'm actually going to expand on it. So here at USAA, we are, you know, founded for the military by the military. And so about one in four of our employees are either, you know, a military spouse, veteran, or in that military affiliate family. And so instead of just focusing in on the project management piece, you know, veterans can actually be a fit for a variety of positions based on their military background. And here at USAA, and I know many other companies utilize it, but we actually have, you know, skills translation tools, which is called Opline. And so say, for instance, an individual can, you know, put their MOS into the tool, 
and it's going to generate, you know, a few different types of roles. And many of times, you know, individuals will set a target just on a project management role. But here at USA, at any given time, we could have hundreds of positions that are posted out there on our career site. And project management can be a transferable skill into many of them. So I would say instead of just setting the target on one position, focus in on where those skills can actually align on multiple positions and go to USAA jobs and see all those opportunities because it's highly likely we'll have a role for some of the individuals that are on the call with us today. All right, so now um, you, you gave me a good segue into my first question and I'm gonna ask each of you to kind of throw out maybe one or two and I hopefully by the time we're done, we'll have you know a good, a good uh, group, but what are some of the, the qualities or, or critical skills that, that are required for a good project manager? So I know that you could list probably 20 of them, but um, Chuck, give me two or three. I want to throw some buzzwords at you. So cross-functional problem solving. And so what that really means is being able to work with people as people to solve problems because everybody has their own priorities. Everybody has their own goals they're trying to get after. And what really makes a super successful project manager is not necessarily like managing the schedule or, or being really good at the artifacts. It's being able to build the connections to get everybody moving in the same direction. But unlike the military, you typically lack a rank. And you lack like the legal authority to make it happen. So being able to solve the problems, by getting people to want to do what's going on, getting that collective vision, and then overcoming those obstacles. Cause that's where I, I see project managers really, like that's the, between the great and the good, that's the one that I always see in my space. And that makes that makes total sense. And that's something that, you know, as you're transitioning out of the military, you gotta realize that, uh, I love the way how you said that there, you, there's no rank, right? So you're gonna be trying to coerce, or not coerce, but convince people to, to all be rowing in the same direction when you don't have any any way to, you know, say to authority to, to command them to do anything. So I think that's a huge point. Um, I'm gonna jump around. What about, um, what do you think as far as another one that would be helpful? Um, go ahead, pa uh, Patrick, what, what do you have? One or two skills. Sure, um, <clears throat> how about time, people, process, and risk management? Sort of all combined together. Uh, you need to be able to work through each of those four pieces uh, and need to be good at those. And you need to recognize the talent and the folks that are around you, both below you, next to you, and above you, and also how they work on time, people, process, and risk so that you can help fill in those gaps uh, as, as needed. That certainly would help make a successful project. Sure. That's great. And um, how about you? Uh... Steve. Yeah, lots of great inputs here. Uh, you know, I think what really works at USA is collaboration, uh, which is sort of touching upon things that both uh, have already said. You know, when we look at USA from the outside, we have three main lines of business, but we really have sort of like what we break them up into 19 or 16 to 19 different lines of business. We call them companies or staff agencies. You have to know how to work across all of those cylinders of excellence, if you will. Um, they don't always have the time or agree with the way things are going to roll out because their line of business operates a little differently. And so being able to keep those people coming to the meeting, keep them engaged in the process and helping you move the project along, whatever that is, so that you can uh, drive the results that you need is when you don't always get your way, right? You're going to have to meet in the middle 
collaborate, keep the bridge built. Otherwise, those folks don't want to work with you or they won't come back to your next meeting. Well, that, so, makes, uh, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nicole, so I wanted to ask you then, so what type of skills people leaving the military, do they have that, you know, kind of align with what, what the, uh, the gentlemen have been talking about here? Sure, I think it's great. And, you know, to the call out regarding their skills, I look at where they translate over. So, you know, when we're looking at veterans as they're transitioning out of the military, they can deal with extremely highly stressful situations. And sometimes in corporate America, that does happen. And so when we kind of look at, you know, their time management, how they can deal with, you know, being resilient, also, the, you know, all those stressful situations is where they kind of focus in on, okay, where can I apply those within, you know, a, you know, company, for instance, like USA or Home Depot or our other companies in which we've got. And also, too, you know, those uncertainties in which they deal with that is common, but you still have to be able to navigate those paths to make sure that, you know, you find the solution. Oh, I think that's good. And so uh, just to kind of elaborate a little bit, I think Chuck started with with uh, one of them. But what's the big differences between what we consider, you know, as I think Steve mentioned, a lot of things he was doing in the military turned out to kind of be project management anyway. But what's the big difference between project management in the civilian world and the uh, and the military? So, uh, Patrick, I'll go. I'll start with you. Sure, uh, it's a that's a really good question, Rich. Um, I think the thing that surprised me the most is uh, that the time and money accountability piece comes on the corporate side versus the military side. Generally, as in, in the military, you have people that work for you, but they you you own them for 24 7 365 and the budget that you have is uh, relatively a loose budget when it goes to each individual project and mission you're doing and in the corporate world is definitely not like that you definitely have time constraints and budget constraints uh, and so your your resource constraint that's something that you need to turn your head on a little bit when you enter the yeah i can imagine corporate sector. yeah i can imagine this day and age there's always everyone's kind of Seems like everyone's tightening their belts a little bit, their budget belts. And so, um, how does that affect you, Steve? When, when uh, you know, when you think about the, how you did it in the military versus doing it in the, in the civilian world? Yeah, and sorry, specifically to the budget piece, is that? Well, I mean, I think that's one know? of the constraints yeah. that, that I think Patrick kind of brought up. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's right. anything else that you want to add? To, but yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, it, it's one of those things where, um, I, and I agree with the statement that I, I don't own anybody, right? Like I'm an individual contributor, but cross-functionally, I lead work streams. So those people report through me for the work, but they HR performance-wise belong to somebody else. Um, and so I need to get them to work with me, but I don't, I can't sit there and order them to do anything, you know, not like the days when I was in the service, but also I agree the money thing, you know, when a, when a company has to pivot and change what they're doing, because it's no longer in line with profits and maybe the losses are too high and they have to do a reorg and that stuff just gets shaved off that project almost dies immediately, or you get moved to a whole nother team or part of the business because that whole thing had to shift. And so the, the, I'm not saying things like that don't happen in the military, but it was never like that for me. It was pretty consistent. You know, every once in a while things would just stop, but but pretty much you had your tasking and you were going to get it done. That's just the way it went. Oh, great. And so now I guess if people are thinking about getting into project management, I guess what's the best way to start thinking about entering the project management world? Because I think that, um, that's the tough part because there's a lot of confusion out there with certifications and uh, and what 
you know, just because you were in the military doesn't mean you're a project manager, but at the same time, um, people are telling you maybe you, you would be a good one. So I guess, how would you recommend someone start if they're just doing something in the military that doesn't have anything to do with what, you know, project management and they want to get into project management, they're going to get out in the next few months. Uh, where, where should they start, Chuck? So you heard all of us kind of say this and all of us kind of smile a little bit when the terms come up. Um, the first one is networking and it's real networking. It's not just LinkedIn connections. It's finding somebody that is in that space who is willing to talk with you and is willing to kind of share their insights. I made a comment. I was unemployed for fully unemployed for one month, but I spent five months doing the job hunt, getting out of the military. And I literally went back and when I was in TA, I actually pulled my my application history from even the Home Depot. And I had applied over 400 to 500 jobs, and didn't hear a peep because I was just sitting there just clicking that apply button, like it was going out of style on LinkedIn or on Indeed. And that's really just playing roulette. You're throwing your resume into a pool that could literally have hundreds of people in there and hoping that somebody reads it. You, there's a bunch of articles online about like how to trick the system. That's a bunch of bull, all right? That's not how it works. Networking is still the way to go. It gets you so much. It gets you more than just a foot in the door for different things. But the other key thing is when you walk in that room and you interview, you want to speak the language of the interviewer. You don't want to go through. I always tell people you have 30 minutes to an hour with the interviewer. You will never educate them in everything that is the military because even the branches are different. You'll never educate them on that in, in an hour. You're better off educating yourself and how they speak and the terms that they use and then applying that across all the um, interactions you have. So the, the first one is networking. Um, and I'll let, I'll let some other panelists contribute, but you notice every time somebody said that word in this group, all of us kind of smiled or kind of smirked a little bit. That's, that's the true secret of success. Yeah. And I'm happy to jump in there on that one. And, you know, being in talent acquisition, I know that you've been in that seat before, too. Networking is number one. And you may not have a full idea of what, you know, the role may require to do. But, you know, as Sorry Ben mentioned, is number one is getting connected. And so LinkedIn can be an absolutely powerful tool, but it's only going to be as good as you make your profile or the connections you make or the groups in which you join. So this could go a few different ways. You can obtain a certification like a project management professional, PMP or even you know, a certified associate in project management, a CAMP. But what I encourage you to do the most is find certifications that are from accredited, uh, in, whether it's a university, but make sure it's accredited, which means that you know, you're able to utilize that and to apply to your experience as you obtain it. But to kind of go back to that networking piece that yes, we're all smiling about, it's number one to getting that understanding because you may think you want to do project management in all reality, maybe you wanna come over to talent acquisition after you learn more about it. And so start to connect with people, utilize ACP or even Veterati, meet experts in the field that are, you know, open to potentially, you know, mentoring you and you're able to get connected that way, but you're going to have to put the work in as well. So if you find that perfect role, put the work in, create that resume, create that LinkedIn profile, make the connections with the individuals and don't stop to find the role that you're interested in. Yeah. Steve, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, just I'll build upon uh, being specific, like uh, Veterati is an online platform for mentoring, LinkedIn and sending, you know, when you send a message to somebody, have a specific ask, hey, can I have 15 or 30 minutes of your time to better understand what you do? If you want to meet for coffee over the phone, a Zoom call, whatever that is, the end result in that stuff 
which has already been highlighted here is you build a better relationship. But here's what I know is in the end, you're going to have a better resume because you can articulate what you can do better on paper that relates to that company in the way they do project management or do those skills. But also in the interview, you're just going to come alive. You're not going to be reciting just jargon from you learned in a book knowledge, right? You're actually going to be speaking at a level that people have articulated to you that you can relate to and translate your own experience in the same way. I think that's the winning formula of networking is the end result is you show up better and become the top candidate in the interview or, or wherever you are. I definitely agree. Patrick, when you did your introduction, you kind of sounded like you used a lot of the veterans service organizations like ACP and, and others. Uh, so how did that help shape your you know, decision to go into project management and, and get you in the door? Uh, sure. No, that's a good that's a good point because it sort of builds off what everybody else is talking about, about networking. And so uh, I, I used ACP for a variety of, of tools that ACP provides, including a membership program. Uh, I, I used Fourblock uh, to give sort of a, like an advanced app kind of a, a thing with a lot of networking potential there. Um, and then I also listened to a number of podcasts, so both science and engineering podcasts I listened to, uh, because I wanted to be able to know and understand what was in the, the civilian side of the problem set vice just military side that I knew so that I could adapt, just like C was talking about, to, to what the actual problems and goals and objectives of potential companies, potential employers. Um, and so I listened to a lot of podcasts. And I also listened to some, some veteran-oriented uh, podcasts like um, Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, where people like us just get on board and talk about their trials and tribulations coming through. Because the more that you learn and understand about the transition space, and the more you learn and understand about the problem set that potential employees or employers are looking for, then the better you can find the right fit for yourself and the better that you'll shine at some of those uh, interviews that you're gonna do. Um, and then I, once I sort of went down my chosen path, then I decided to go after the PMP, which I did. Uh, I also uh, went after a, a couple of other certifications just to sort of gain some knowledge about the space I was going into. And then here, even at the company, I've now worked, uh, I'm working towards a certified floodplain managers um, so that I can help uh, the company do, uh, so that I can understand better what the company is trying to do. And so um, the it relates, it gets my level of knowledge up to the right level, so to speak, just like a PMP would or an ACP or something like that. Um, and that just helps then further translate your skill sets into something that the company can actually use and then you feel value added. Yeah, that's good. And But I want to go, I also want to dig a little deeper because I know if I'm sitting out there transitioning and I am trying to figure out where to start, I know that the starting is probably the most daunting part, right? So if you know, I've heard of PMP, Agile, Scrum Master, Safe, all these other things. What is your recommendations about pursuing them or not pursuing them? Or which ones are the probably the more recognized or more applicable to the civilian world? So, uh, Chuck, I'm going to ask you, what, what, what's your thoughts on all that? I thought I'd clown my soapbox on this one, uh, Rich. Um, but before I do that, there is one resource I've noticed in the chats I want to kind of call out. Um, a lot of people mentioned some really cool things if you're looking at networking for project management. PMI does have local chapters across most major um, cities, so that's a good place to start. 
There's also a book that I used called The Two-Hour Job Search. It's written by Steve Dalton. It's a great resource. I literally did it one night on staff duty. So like, I just sat mm -hmm. there about two hours. It, it's just a, a very step-by-step -step process and how to be effective in your networking in the, um, in the career hunt. But going back to your question about certificates, um, I did not have a PMP when I started as a project manager. Um, I got it almost a year and a half later, only because my boss said they'd pay for it. And I was like, sure, I'll go sit for the test. Um, the recognized ones, project management for, um, professional or most of the PMI certificates are very well recognized. Um, and you can get a few of them through, um, programs like Onward Opportunity, or when I was there, I, IMBF, um, through Syracuse for free as a veteran. Um, and that, that's fine. I don't want to discourage you from going through that, but I, I look at certificates as a place to gain knowledge on the area, not so much the stamp you need on your resume. What I hate seeing, what I, whenever I mentor people, I always tell them this is, I'll get a resume and the last third of the page is every certification known to man that's free for veterans. So I'll see I'll see PMP, I'll see CSM, Scrum Master, I'll see SA, uh, you know, HR certificates, I'll see um, Sys Plus, I'll see Cisco search, I'll see everything. And I'm just like, what does this person wanna do? And how much time did they spend doing all these certs when they could have spent it more effectively networking? And so when I went through and did my, my first interview, on my resume, it said PMP in progress. I had completed the, the O2O classes, so I had my 35 hours of classes, and I had the, the requisite, I think it was three or 5,000 hours of project management experience log. I just hadn't sat for the test. So I put it on there in progress. What really matters is when I walked in the room, instead of saying a sync matrix, which is what we called it in the Army, I called it a Gantt chart. Instead of talking about a, um, you know, my manpower rosters, Oh, I called it a resource breakdown structure. I spoke the language that they were looking for in their language. And um, I even asked them during the interview, I said, hey, because another thing isn't really important, I'm sure Nicole can go on about this for days, is on the job description, it'll say preferred and required um, for the job. If it's not required, then it's a preferential thing. You can get around that. Um, and so when I asked my boss to, hey, I don't have a PMP and I saw that was preferred. Um, if you would like, I'm more than happy to go sit for the test. Like I can do it for free through a veteran network or program, but I, you know, I got the experience. I've done the classes and everything else. And she was like, I really don't care. I just want somebody that can do the job. I don't care about what you have on your paperwork. I didn't realize that she didn't have her PMP either. We actually went and sat for it at the same time. She'd been in the, she's been in that space for years. Um, so I'm not going to say certificates don't matter. What I'll say is the knowledge that you get from the certificate, and then sometimes like the the access you get to like the professional organizations that come attached to that, that carries more weight than the actual stamp on your resume. There's a reason why it's at the back of the resume. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so Nicole, when you're searching for people, how much does that weigh in? Um, you know, like Chuck said, if it's preferred, do you do you give those people preferential treatment or what because the other thing i think about it certifications it's like um it's like badges on the mil in the military right people sometimes people chase them to get them but if you can't do what that that skill is it doesn't matter and if you don't have any experience uh doing that it's like you know you've jumped out of a you went to airborne school but you've never actually jumped out of planes other than the five times and so i think experience is important too 
So how do you, how do you find the right mix there? Good question. And I think that it really depends on the company. So if our position state, it is required for the position, then it is required. But here at USAA, many of the times we're able to use experience in lieu of, say, a certification. Now, not all times, but I really encourage individuals to look at that job description, look at the requirements are, look at what the nice to haves are if they highlight them. And, you know, I would say that based on that, that's where you're going to be able to see where, okay, I have to have a PMP to qualify for this company within this specific role. Or maybe I found another company where I can pursue it, have maybe the company pay for it with their tuition reimbursement, and then I can still obtain that position because I already have relatable experience. And so if I were to look at my, you know, kind of lens from a USAA stance, I'm looking at what my requirements state they are for the role. No candidate has priority over another. I really look at, okay, who's going to be the best candidate for the role in which these are the requirements that we need to meet. And then that's how I kind of start to look for individuals based on that. But truly look at the company, look at the requirements and look what they're looking for. And then you're able to see what actually needs to happen, like having a PMP, or maybe you can obtain it while you're working for the company. All right, Patrick, what about you? You're, you're kind of a different uh, field of project management, it seems, or at least the, the, the areas, it doesn't matter more or less in, in your area. So, um... I think for ACOM, ACOM is more of a science and engineering design company where project management, having a PMP or an agile certification um, is probably more desired and less ambiguous. Um, and so I worked on my PMP last spring so that I would be able to talk the talk and really understand what they were looking for and come in and hit the ground running. Um, there are probably lots of other roles within the company that uh, they're not looking for that type of certification. But everything that I've been involved with has really been more of your structured uh, project management roles. That makes sense. Steve, did I miss anything? Yeah. Did anybody miss anything? Well, I'll just add a couple. I don't think anybody missed. I just add some color and flair to it is, you know, I remember when I got my PMP uh, tested for four hours, my legs were numb. I was brain dead, you know, just like, wow. And my phone didn't ring and no one cared that I got a PMP. It's what I realized from that moment was, is that it's what you want to do with it. It's not that you have it. Right. And so you're going to use that information in the interview or whatever. And then I would balance that against another thought is, is that if you're going to go for like a master's in project management or a PMP, this is just Steve's opinion, but I think the PMP carries more weight because it takes years of experience to get that certification. Whereas the project management, like a master's degree or whatever, person coming right out of college and get their bachelor's can roll straight into that and then go into the workforce, but they don't really have any experience in it. They have a lot of book knowledge that doesn't discount it. What I mean is if you have a choice and you feel like you've got the experience, I would go for the PMP. But really the, the newer PMPs are less waterfall and they're really more about the agile or they're merging a lot of the agile aspects to it compared to when I got it. And so I think it's a, it's a balance between those two you know, the PMI or whoever you get your PMP from, they teach you all of the, the structure behind it, but every company cherry picks from that. They don't follow all of those processes one by one. They really will choose how they're gonna incorporate that structure. Even at the enterprise level at USAA, those folks do more project charter work, sponsor, executive sponsor, whatever. They don't follow every single one of those things. They will, you know, they'll go through the phases, but, uh, but it, it differs quite, a lot from this standard book knowledge, right? There's book knowledge and then there's sort of street knowledge, if you will. So just be ready for that um, and know that you've got to be able to adapt 
and uh, be flexible. Good, good. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the comments or the questions there to try to see if there's anything that we want to we 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 didn't hit yet. We did talk about. I think certifications is always a big question. Um, there is a question here about um, private sector versus government sector. Did any one of you? Well, I mean, maybe Patrick, you probably work work in that uh, back and forth a little bit more. But the question really is, um, you know, what do you all think about heading into the government sector versus the civilian sector? Uh, I mean, maybe you can just kind of. Talk about the, the differences that you've seen in the private versus working with the government sector. Sure. So um, a lot of AECOM's clients are government. And in that case, uh, a PMP certification um, does make a lot of sense because that just tends to be the traditional governmental way of uh, going after projects, right, uh, and solving solving problems. Um, however, I completely agree with what Steve was saying. There's a lot of move towards becoming more agile. Agile used to be more in the IT space and the design space, and now it's working its way into a lot more of the traditional methods, and it's becoming a lot more hybrid uh, in nature. And uh, even the work that I've been doing, both uh, for um, uh, government uh, clients and non-government clients, then I mixed in agile concepts with traditional concepts to help solve those problems based off of what the customer or the client uh, is looking for. And I think it's important to go after certifications that make sense for what you want to do, where you want to see yourself in the future, and for your own professional development, whatever that may mean. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, I had a question now kind of specifically about the companies. Um, and someone kind of asked about this uh, as far as veteran friendly versus veteran ready, um, which I think what they mean is, do you have programs for veterans or are you just, you know, happy to have veterans working for you? And I think most of you have programs, but uh, do you want to specifically mention a few of them? I'll, I'll go ahead and start with Nicole since this is probably right up her alley. It sure is. And, you know, both, you know, we are interested in not just having veterans, but military affiliated community work for us. You know, USA was founded by the military for the military. And so what's better than being able to work for an organization that shares your passion and has that deep appreciation. And two, you know, we do have veteran programs, also military spouse programs. So if we look at, you know, our hiring our heroes fellowship through the chamber of commerce, it's a great opportunity for individuals that are actually transitioning out of the military to be able to learn that kind of corporate knowledge and to become corporate trained while having, you know, an opportunity to, you know, join us and see, okay, is this really what I want to do into my next step in my career? Because sometimes that's the most difficult question when you're transitioning out is, what do I want to do? I've done this for 15, 20, 25 years, and it's been absolutely amazing. But what do I want to be when I grow up is that kind of second question that you ask yourself. And you have the opportunity with us. And we have so many different types of roles from project management to risk management to talent acquisition that are available. But do look into those military friendly programs. We have it out on our USAA career site specifically into the military for you know the transitioning military as well as our military spouses. But really great opportunities. Steve and I are lucky enough to partner really closely with both of these. We call them our fellowships, um, but they're absolutely amazing. Great. Um, Patrick, what about AECOM? Do you have anything specific? Sure. So we we don't we don't have a specific hiring pathway for veterans. We don't um have necessarily a, a huge veteran um, group, um, but the 
support is strong and we have a veteran re uh, an employee resource group for veterans uh, that's uh, been set up in the past year. And the point of that group, uh, kind of like what Nicole was talking about, is just sort of be there for the employees to help employees understand the benefits that are there, networking across the company. And then of course, the opportunity to engage with organizations like ACP on the board end and uh, in the future help develop and uh, you know, that, that's out there and bring them in. No, I think that's great because uh, that's something when people are searching for jobs, they don't necessarily always pay attention to is kind of those other things like the culture and, and having resource groups like you're talking about, I think is key to help with that transition as well. Chuck, I think Home Depot has a few programs uh, for veterans and spouses. You just, just teeing me up for that one, huh? <laughs> really my old life. Um, I'll give you the, the short spiel. So we have a dedicated recruiting team that, that supports the military. Now, there's not an individual pipeline. You still go through and you have to compete and be the best candidate amongst all the candidates that apply. But there, there are people there that can help you with like understanding the resume, answering questions you might have. Um, you go, like I said, go to our webpage homedepot.com slash military. There's a lot of stuff there. We have military spouse programs. Um, we have a national transfer program for military spouses across our stores. Um, also, uh, we have over 6,000 jobs that are 100% remote that you can um, you can move around the country with, which is great for our military spouses. Oh, I see Gabe is in the chats. Everybody should follow Gabe on I'm LinkedIn. I'm shout out to like, Gabe and, and Haley. Yeah, it's like Gabe's the dude who owns that stuff. Um, so there you go, your inbox about to blow up. The, um, but then also we have, we have our own skill bridge programs. We partner with Hiring Our Heroes. We've been with ACP since the beginning. Um, we have associate resource groups, international transfer program or support program for military spouses where they can go on LOA when they go outside the country. That's a real challenge for a lot of military spouses. If you PCS outside the US, a lot of companies can't pull you internationally. It has nothing to do with the company. It has everything to do with the laws of the, of the countries you might go to and everything else. But we can, you can go on LOA and then come back and not lose your tenure, not lose your, um, your you know, accumulated vacation and perks that you've gotten from time. Just a lot of stuff. And um, there's a lot of companies out there that are, are moving in that direction because we've identified that this is a track record of success. We have at Home Depot, 35,000 roughly veterans and military spouses across 2,000 locations. Like you can't go down an aisle in our store without running into a veteran. Um, we have VPs, senior VPs um, at all levels that are veterans. So uh, they're just there. So it, it's part of our fabric. Um, and we're super excited to continue that partnership and that growth. All right, Steve, you have uh, something to add? Yeah, one of the things I, I feel like all of this speaks to um, and what I have seen personally is whether it's a fellowship or an internship, if you have the opportunity to do either one of those, right? Let's just say you're getting your master's MBA and you want to do an internship at any company or you're going to do a fellowship at one of the, you know, the cycles that come up. Uh, the value that I have watched happen is at USAA, that's one of the fastest ways for a veteran or military spouse to get hired because because in the banking industry, the requirements are very strict at times. And so we have to get you to a level before we can, before you'll meet those minimums or whatever. And so sometimes coming in and seeing you work and produce good work and build those bridges that we talked about, suddenly people can relook at your resume and go, actually, you have a lot more experience than what you credited yourself for. And it allows us to make this merger on the ability to hire people into certain roles. We may have to come down a level to get the right number of years of requirements to meet. But 
it's amazing what happens when people see you as a veteran or a military spouse work right in front of them and how well you work with the team and get things done. And then they want to scoop you up. It, it's so different than how you look on paper from the outside. So, so that's my two cents on this is uh, take advantage of any of these company programs. It doesn't matter where you do it, participate. Uh, that's, that's going to help you show up even better. All right, we're getting close on time, but I want to quickly ask one, maybe someone whoever feels the uh, most passionate to answer this question, but I think it's different in every company. Um, Carlton was asking in the chat about remote work versus in office. I mean, I think that's always been a big question recently, and I think every company is handling a little bit differently. Um, but I guess let's let's back it up and just say, you know, the project management, how does that work for in office versus remote? Is that something that is interchangeable? Chuck, Chuck got his hand up. It depends. <laughs> and um, and I, I that that question, but it depends on the company and depends on the projects. So when I was in supply chain, I might be working on opening of, of actually, I'll just an example. I was working to open a warehouse in Ogden, Utah. The general manager for Ogden, Utah was actually located in Seattle. The engineering team was here in Atlanta. The VP for that region was in Texas. I was in Atlanta. We were in person. But what that really meant is we were going in in person to get on conference calls in our conference rooms to talk to 30 people that were scattered across the U.S. So in that regard, even though we were in person, the job was fully capable of being done remote. My team is currently remote. About 30% of us are in Atlanta, 30% are in Texas, and the rest are scattered across the U.S. And that's mostly because before COVID, Atlanta and um, Austin were our main hubs for our technology centers. The, it depends on the company, and it depends on their decisions. We have project teams that are currently in office in, in this company. We have project teams, and like my team, that are completely remote. It generally depends on their leaders and it depends on the type of work they're doing. There is some work that is hands down better done in person. Like I fly to Austin, which is where my boss, and some of the directors are, um, every few months for us to sit down and whiteboard out our strategy because doing the pause, unpause, mute, unmute, trying to use the Miro board is not as effective as all of us getting in there with some donuts and coffee for a good 12 hour just strategy sessions where it's all out there. So it depends. The key thing is when you're looking at jobs is look at what the company is trying to do. You're probably not going to convince a company to let you be remote if you're the only one that's going to be remote. So like just go into it with eyes open. We label our jobs as remote. The other thing I'll also tell you is ask yourself if you actually want to be remote or in person. I struggle a little bit in remote because I am the guy that walks over, knocks on your knocks on your door, your cube when I have a problem with a project and I say, hey, let's talk about this issue and we resolve it. Um, that's how I operate in the military. That's how I operate in the office. And um, I was really good at it. I had to change my approach when I went remote and I had to get a whole new set of skills because I couldn't use that to solve problems anymore. Now I have to use Teams. My day is just structured call after call after call. And you also really lose a lot of the water cooler talk, which is where you build your actual connections. And we talked about solving problems. It's harder to build connections remote that'll help you get over those hurdles. I'm not saying it can't be done, but you have to be intentional about it. And I've had a lot of people say, I'd love to be remote because I want to go live in, you know, um, I want to go live in Seattle, but this company is based in on the East Coast. Well, 
what you really want to do is you want to live in Seattle. So maybe find companies that are in Seattle or companies that support that. Because if you're remote and the team's in East Coast, you're probably going to be getting up at 4 a.m. to get on their schedule. And you're going to be answering emails at that time in the morning. And then you might be getting done early in the afternoon. But you also, I'm, I'm at my house right now. And you probably saw me making motions because I'm in a 10 by 10 room with two pit bulls. And I will probably not leave this room for the entire day. I'll sit on my butt the entire day because I don't have the other stuff. And it's a different life. So, I mean, I sometimes enjoy it. I get some of the freedom, but I'm going to the office next week because I also need to get some of that face-to-face. -face. So I know that's a little bit more than what you asked. Um, it really does depend, but I also challenge, everybody says they want to be remote, they want the freedom of location, but there's also other things that go along with that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think everybody was nodding their head because there, there's a little bit of both and, and every company is different. So it's just one of those things, if you feel strongly about it, you just got to make sure you find the right fit, uh, I think. But all right. So I want to just go around the horn and, and, and uh, ask you all to go back to when you were first entering the workforce uh, and tell us what, what you wish you would have known back then or what kind of advice would you give to someone that is on their way of transitioning, just starting the process right now to, you know, what's your best advice? So um, let's go, Patrick. What's, what's your best piece of advice? Uh, sure. Um, I, I would say find your passion, whatever that is. And that may take a series of months to years to develop and really figure out what you want to do. Uh, but until you do that, you probably won't make your transition fully successful and you won't be truly happy. Uh, I, think, I think that's great advice. And, and I think Nicole kind of said it too. Like I, some people still don't know what they want to do when they uh, grow up. And, and I think it's, it's true um, because you've been doing, we've been kind of been told what to do for the whole time. But Nicole, from a, from a talent acquisition point of view, um, what would you tell someone that, that's uh, transitioning right now? Sure. So first off is get uncomfortable with being comfortable with the vice versa, the other way around. But you're going to have to do things that you wouldn't typically do within the military, you know, whether it's that water cooler chat or if it's applying to, you know, different roles within a company. But what the best advice I can tell you is that, you know, find a company that you're proud of and that, you know, every morning you want to wake up and you want to go to work and you're proud of that role. Because I know myself when I joined the USAA, I can't be prouder to work for this company, being a member, being an employee, telling my kids what I get to do all day. And I think that's really kind of that recipe to your success is finding a company that aligns with, you know, your morals and your mission, but as well as understands your military background and really champions it. Yeah. Thank you. That was good. Steve, what's your, what's your tip? Yeah, uh, definitely start early. And we've said it all, uh, network a lot, not, not the cheap transactional type. Don't just swap business cards, like actually have a conversation and see what you can start to learn and move forward from there. But I think on top of all that, I'll just add one more piece because I know we're going to start, uh, you know, we have to wrap up, but is that give yourself permission to pivot. You think you know what you want to do and it's and you think you're passionate about something, but man, when you get into a company and you thought, oh, this, I thought this is what I wanted to do, but whoa, this is way different than I expected. And we've had many aha moments like that with our fellowships, even myself. Um, and I've had to just look around and go, well, then I'm going to do this for about a year, 18 months, and I'm going to pivot and jump to another part of the company. And that's okay at USAA, and I would hope that most companies would support something like that. Is just be ready to to move on in a nice way and find something else if it, the first one didn't work. It's okay. I think that's really good advice. Everybody was nodding their head there, so that's good. Chuck, 
you get the last word. So anybody that's ever sat in a panel with me knows that I say the same three things every time because um, they're true. The, the first one is the military transition is more than a job hunt. We focus so much on finding the job, but that is only one aspect of it. It's a full-blown life change. And just stop and just think about that. You might be relocating. Your, your spouse is going to be going through a change. Your kids might be going through a change. There's a lot of stress happening. Never do you ever jump out of an airplane while putting your parachute on on the way, on the way down. And that is the military transition. Because you typically don't have a job when you submit your paperwork. You don't know where you're going to do when you're done. So just take a step back and don't let the ankle biters from the rest of your life come in and get you when you're going through the career change. And I have a whole story I can share about that. Someone wants to hit up LinkedIn. I'll, I'll let you know about it. The second thing I tell people is find other veterans. They are going to understand what you're going through. They're going to be able to empathize with those challenges so that if you're like me and you're the only veteran on an entire team of like 20 people when I first started, there was nobody else that understood why I was getting frustrated with things that were frustrating me. Um, so I had to go find another veteran who let me sit there and just say it in my way. Because um, I can't go in there and talk about like skull dragging somebody in a business meeting. That's just not going to happen. That's a good way to get walked out the door. Um, so find other veterans. The third one is one that I had to learn over time. And that is also find non-veteran mentors. Because I gravitated towards the second one, right? I got my little veteran click, my buddies. But 95% of the workplace are not veterans. So you will also be engaging with them. You can't just, you know, lock yourself away. That's, please don't take this the wrong way. Remember, it goes in contracts for the DOD. But I kind of feel like that's like the easy out for a lot of veterans who are scared to go talk to non-veterans as they go contract with the DOD with all the other veterans. Um, but you're going to have to engage with non-veterans. So find non-veteran mentors so that they can expose you to the other 95% of thought out there. Um, you'll be amazed at what you'll learn from them because you, you won't stovepipe yourself and what you're developing um, by sticking with just veterans. So those are the three. It's a life change. Find other veterans, but also find non-veteran mentors as well. Oh, that was great. Thank you all for, for being here today and sharing uh, with us because I think this was a, a super impactful webinar to, to get people to understand what project management is some tips and tricks on how to get it, get in there and, and uh, get their feet wet to where they want to go. Uh, thank you all for being here. And I want to wish everybody a, a good rest of the day. So thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another edition of ACP's Career Compass podcast. Tune in every week to hear more stories and conversations from our community. If you're a service member, a veteran, a military spouse, or if you want to become a mentor, visit our website at acp-usa.org. And if you'd like to donate to ACP so we may expand our reach to even more veterans and spouses, you can do so at the ACP website. All links to support ACP will be found in the show notes. Have a great rest of your day and thanks for tuning in.